The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Okay. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. And if you're not spotting it by now, Dr. Weefold will spot it for you. Yeah. I try. Yeah. I try. Hopefully, I'm not spreading much misinformation. I think it's only misinformation if you don't go back and correct yourself. Okay. Okay. Like everything I've been wrong about of this two, two years of COVID. Amen. Yeah. I, we, we were told six weeks to flatten the curve, right? <laughs> I was told two weeks. Two weeks to flatten and the I curve. And I thought there'd be 10,000 cases in the United States of America. Yeah. I mean, this just says to show you how, in the beginning, we were so wrong because right. we had no clue about what was going to happen. We had no clue about what this virus did. Right. But the, sh- the bad thing is how wrong we've been throughout the entire course of the last two years. And there's, you know? th- there's something else, though. Yeah. There's the confidence with which so many people have spread misinformation. Right, right. Confident. Yeah. Condescending. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest condescending thing is this is I call it the anti anti vaxxers. Yeah. Okay. All right. People like Don Lemon. Okay? Yes. How can you possibly say that somebody who has reacted to the stuff on Facebook and mm-hmm. all over the internet and is afraid to get the vaccine? Say that they're such a horrible person, they don't belong in polite society. I mean, come on. Yeah. We're all part of this of this great experiment right. called humanity. Right. And, you know, some of these, uh, we're going to talk about this in a minute, some of these doctors who are almost refusing to treat unvaccinated patients. Yes. And saying, you're filling up my ICU that I could use for other people. That's a horrible thing to say. And where is our compassion? You know, where is our understanding that people make choices based on the information that they have and they know yeah. those choices may be bad? Let me give you a prime example. I've had several patients who were fired by their cardiologists and by their vascular surgeons. And you know why? Why? They wouldn't quit smoking. Oh, And yeah. so, yeah. you know, you don't quit smoking, you're not going to be my patient. Now, obviously, oh. I couldn't say that. You could for no, various no. and a sundry reasons. Yes, but I've got people who won't, for example, they're cardiac patients and they won't stop tooting. You know what tooting is? Snorting cocaine. Really? Well, and what am I going to do? Am I going to fire them? Am I going to say you can't come and get the benefit of the expertise that? The citizens of the United States of America help pay for, sure. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to these medical schools that are government-supported. Now, I may have paid some tuition, but the United States of America 
help me get my education. And the United States of America includes everybody, right. whether you're homeless or whether you're Jeff Bezos. Um, mm-hmm. The bottom line is we're all in this together, like I said, this great experiment in humanity. So, yeah, I talk to these people who snort cocaine and have queer disease. Oh, my. And I give them the statistics, and I, I urge them to make a change in their life, but I'm never going to fire them. I'm never going to fire them. I, I'm, because you know why also? Yeah. Maybe someday, after a while, yeah, they'll get it. Sure. And that's my opportunity to help them. What what good is it going to do me to fire somebody and have them wander in the wilderness of medicine without, you know, the appropriate uh, advice and prescriptions and stuff like that just because they do something they shouldn't do? It's illegal. I tell them they might go to jail for it. Sure. But I'm not going to fire them. And so these doctors who are just, you know, snoot, snooty as all get out about the patients who they see in their ICUs who have COVID and are not vaccinated. Where's the fundamental thing that we as physicians have to have? It's compassion. Right. Compassion. Then I can tell you that I had a hamburger this week. Okay. Well, you're fired from the show. And, I mean, come on. All right. And uh, fries. Uh, uh, bring the other guy in now, please. Uh, here. Okay, he's at the door. Now, I've been advised not to have a hamburger or or to cut down on my yeah. my intake of yeah. calories uh-huh. because i may one day show up at the er having had a heart attack yeah. and being overweight and here's the thing i'm going to tell you if any doctor says that that hamburger caused your heart attack yeah that doctor needs to go back to medical school mm-hmm. okay i mean the number one risk factor for developing Heart disease, number one. And I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care if the medical board takes away my license to practice medicine because I'm not towing the party line. It's not Mickey D's. No. It's your daddy's D's. Okay? Yeah, it's family history. Think about it. Yeah. How many people do you know who have had serious coronary disease whose daddy didn't have it or their brother didn't have it? It's rare. Or their grandpa didn't have it. Yeah. And so, yes, smoking is a risk factor, mm-hmm. okay? Um, eating a hamburger. And you know what the risk factor in a hamburger is? It's What's not that? the meat. It's the bun. The bun, yeah. Okay? Nah, it's the combination. Um, yeah, diabetes is a risk factor, a really big risk factor. Sure. Hypertension is a risk factor. Now, what does a risk factor mean? It means that if you do these things, you're at higher risk. It doesn't mean it causes it. Mm-hmm. So, the bottom line is that let's be compassionate. Dave, how was the burger? Oh, it was good. It was oh, delicious. Wh- where'd you get it at? I got it at McDonald's. It was a well, quarter pounder. Okay, here's what I did the other night. Yeah. I had to get home to my new puppy. Yeah. So, I decided I was going to eat and drive at the same time. Yeah. Pulled into Mickey D's. I got myself a double cheeseburger <sighs> meal. And a yeah. fish sandwich. Yeah. Oh, and the fish sandwich. Yeah. Now, I do this once a month. I pig out at Mickey D's mm-hmm. once a month. And every now and then, if I'm really feeling down, you know, need that kick, I go again. Right. This is all to go back to the point of any doctor who is mad or who doesn't feel 
um, that those who are unvaccinated and are really sick from COVID deserve treatment, deserve compassion. Mm -hmm. They need to find another profession. Okay, they just do. We're going to talk about last week it was pig heart. Yeah. This week it's pig kidney. Well, yeah, yeah, anything. Uh, Pig kidney, pig liver. But they're they're implanting. Yeah. They're now implanting pig organs, modified pig organs, into human beings. Well, maybe some of these people who are so mean to patients, maybe they have had a pig brain transplant. Well, yes. I don't know. Sports-related cardiac arrest is on the decline. Yeah, well, death due to. Death due to. It's a fantastic uh, development. I've had personal experience with this, and I'll tell you about that. Okay. Yeah. We're going to rake Don Lemon over the coals over something he said. Sour lemon. Um, <laughs> meatloaf. Oh, yeah. Not the not the food, but yeah. the performer passed away. Yeah, COVID. And it was COVID. Yeah. And he, he was, was an anti-vaxxer. Anti-vax, and he was also heavy. And I don't know whether you consider him morbidly obese at the end. He was of morbidly it. obese, yeah. Okay. And again, we, we mourn the passing of meatloaf. And we understand that he was exposed to information and had a personal uh, conviction not to get the vaccine. That doesn't mean we don't mourn his death. Right. I mean, is Don Levin? I mean, well, there was somebody laughing about me. There was it, a, it, uh, a lawmaker in the Houston area. Yeah. Um, I think his last name was Who or Wu. Um, uh, Wu. Fellow, yeah, the fellow who was. Yeah. He's a state lawmaker. Well, and that's he, terrible. He jumped on the idea that number one, meatloaf was un, um, you know, unvaccinated, but also he was welcome, open to hugging people and you know being close yeah. to them. Yeah. He didn't practice social, social distancing. distancing. Yeah. Yes, um, and and then a lot of people jumped in on him. That's terrible. Saying, yeah, wh- where is our compassion vaccinated, gone? Look, okay, everyone should get vaccinated. I believe in that. Mm-hmm. But if you are anti-vax uh, or anti-COVID-vax, I still love you. Yeah. I will still treat you with respect. And if you get sick from COVID, yeah. I will do everything that I know to save you. We are going to talk about a hospital that perhaps did not live up to that high standard. Yeah. It is a complex story, and I'm betting that both sides disagree. I, I'm, you know, it's one of those. Oh, there's two sides to everything. A hospital is, you know, their hands are tied. Yeah, they cannot tell a lot of the information that they might want to. But there is a story about a fellow who was going to be removed from a ventilator, and his wife advocated for him and got him transferred. That's all coming up on this program. Also, your phone calls, 919-860-9783 is the telephone number on the Heart Health Radio Network. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Now, Don Lemon has a regular show on CNN which I have not seen in a long time. I, I've, you know what? I've watched it once for yeah. about 30 seconds. Got so nauseated. I didn't have a Zofran. You know, that's the best <laughs> nausea there was. So I had to turn it off. Well, my question is, if you watched CNN, where were you heading? Were you going to, like, Dallas? 
or head of the – I mean, because clearly you were in an airport. I was flipping channels. Dude. Oh, you're flipping channels. Okay. I, do you, do you uh, channel surf? No. I do. It's fun. No. Oh, yeah. It's so, fun. So but Don except Lemon, when you wind up seeing Don Lemon. Don Lemon ordinarily doesn't say things like this, but yeah, he's – he does. He oh, does he does? all the time. Okay. Yeah, remember the Jesse Smollett thing? Yeah. I mean, oh, this is a horrible thing. We're a racist country. You know, what would they do to my friend Jesse Smollett? The MAGA people are all horrible. It was all a lie. Yeah. And the worst thing he did is he called up when he, when he found out from his CNN friends that the major investigation into Smollett was that he made it all up. Who does he call? He calls Smollett and says, hey, hide, hide. They're after you. <laughs> okay. So this is what Don Lemon said. And he's saying it about people who are unvaccinated. We have to start doing things for the greater good of society and not for idiots who think that they can do their own research or that they are above the law and they can break the rules. Australia, Novak Djokovic, Australia said, no, 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 no. We're going to look at the greater good of everyone in our society. And you're not part of that. We don't care that you're the number one tennis player in the world and good on them. Because they are keeping their population and their citizens, people who want to be good citizens, they're keeping them healthy and safe and alive. And not for someone who thinks that they can come in, do their own research, get COVID, spread it to other people, not wear masks like the guy, the, the TV presenter said, and then infect all of us and keep all of us in the house or from going to work or from being able to do what we want to do. That's it. I'm done. I'm off of my <laughs> Okay, so the question is, is it unvaccinated people's fault that people are being told they can't go out of the house? No. No? And the thing is, hey, Donnie, okay? So for, uh, he doesn't obviously look at the statistics. June through October, you know, they had a, they had a zero COVID policy, right? Who did? Australia. Oh, okay. He's talking yeah. about how great Australia is. Yeah, they were trying to, yeah. Zero COVID policy. Yeah. They still had a zero COVID policy okay. about entrance to th- places. Melbourne was locked down for 262 days. So, yes, very few cases. So, they had 126,000 yesterday. Okay? Yeah. Now, what does this mean? It means that Omicron is fierce. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just gets through masks, it gets onto tables, it floats through the air. And, you know, COVID Alpha, the first one, was pretty contagious. Mm-hmm. Nothing compared to this. Yeah. Nothing. And so, you know, Don, just get some compassion in your life. Understand that people don't have the same worldview that you do. And that because of Facebook, and because of the internet, Instagram, yeah. there are a lot of people who are getting exposed to information that is not true, but appeals to perhaps their own inclinations, and they're not wanting to get vaccinated. Embrace them. Try to educate them. Don't call them idiots, and don't t- say they don't belong in polite society, and don't say they're responsible for killing people. Because let me tell you, there are plenty of vaccinated people who are doing the same thing which is inadvertently, nobody is doing this on purpose, Right. inadvertently exposing our vulnerable population, diabetics, obese people, people with serious autoimmune diseases, people with cancer. Those are the people, 75% of our deaths 
occur in somebody with one or more of those risk factors. Sometimes they have four. So don't be a jerk. Embrace people. Try to convince them that there are good things to do. But to tell them that they're scum is just terrible. Well, the one thing that I find questionable is that he keeps talking about people who are, quote-unquote, doing their own research. Now, there there have... Yes, they are. Right. I had... Somebody in my office who I love dearly, dearly. Um, (laughs) This is a funny interaction because we were talking and this is before the vaccines were really out and they were being, you know, put through their rigorous um, studies. Right. And I talked about how they were going to be good and, and that mRNA, messenger RNA, how it worked. And this individual said, well, I've been doing research and they're terrible. Okay. Okay. So she's educated, but not having gone to nursing school or, or medical school. So I was kind of a jerk, and I said, oh, were you that person sitting in the back oh. row at Johns Hopkins? And, you know, she took it sort of the, bat, the wrong way, and I was being kind of a smarmy, I like that word, smarmy person. But truly, what I tell my patients, and a lot of patients come to me for advice, and they say, should I get the vaccine? And I say, yes. I say, tell me what you're afraid of. And sometimes it was the electromagnetism part. Sometimes it was changing the DNA structure of your body, you know. And, and I tried to talk them through nicely yeah. every single thing. And I would say 80% of the time they would understand and believe me and go get vaccinated. But once I got to that 20% and I knew that they would not listen for whatever yeah. reason, yeah. but I still love them. And I just stopped and said, look, I have to give my spiel, Yeah. but you are loved. This is America. You can still make your own decision. Well, it turned out you couldn't make your own decision, you know? Right. Right. So, so let's bring it up, Dave. Yeah. And the Supreme Court has said no to the businesses of 100 people or more. Right. Um, that's not within the realm of the legal um, powers given to OSHA, which is the Workplace Safety Organization. It was based on law, not on whether it should be um, requiring, whether it's moral to require people to get vaccinated. They did uphold the Medicare mandate. And I'm not quite sure where that came from because where's the law that says Medicare has the right to refuse paying people for not getting vaccinated? But that's upheld. Mm-hmm. So any healthcare institution that receives money from Medicare or the United States government has to have every single one of their healthcare people vaccinated. Right. And that doesn't include a testing option. Did you know that? I didn't know. There's no No. testing option. And then the most recent um, that just came out, there was a guy in Texas who, what was the other mandate? I'm blanking on this. Anyway, there was another mandate that got kicked out. So uh, I'm against mandates. I just am. I think the testing option is one. You know what the second option is? Now that it's been proven, is previous infection with COVID. I think if you've been previously infected, it's been shown incontrovertibly that a previous infection of the natural immunity from a previous COVID alpha or delta actually protects you more from Omicron than does triple vaccination. So why don't we include that? If you want proof... Have them go to their doctor, 
and show that they have COVID antibodies, right? Sure. I'm a big believer there is now science. Now, okay, the shame aspect also was YouTube. Because in July and August, um, they banned uh, our favorite congressman. Uh, Rand Paul? Yeah. Yeah. Rand had said that he believed and that there was evidence that natural immunity was as good, if not better, than vaccinated immunity. And they kicked him off of YouTube for, quote unquote, misinformation. Well, the data came out Friday. Even Fauci has to espouse it now. Yeah. That natural immunity from Alpha and Delta, the previous infections, is better against Omicron than vaccination. So what was misinformation even a, not misinformation. a week ago and, and who is has true the right now. To, what else was misinformation? That it was highly probable that that COVID came out of the Wuhan Virology Institute. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Everybody was canceled for that. That was racist uh, propaganda, according to the powers that be at Facebook and Instagram and Google yeah. and YouTube. It's not anymore. And even Fauci has said it's a possibility. I'm surprised. Right. Well, it is It is sad that what would get you kicked off of YouTube or, in some cases, Twitter or Facebook but, but later not, turns out but to be— not heart health. You're not going to get no, kicked no, off No, 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 no. You never get you never Say get what you want to say. I don't— I, Just be nice about it. Well, not only be nice <laughs> about it, back yourself up and be willing to debate it. In a civilized manner. We're going to talk about this pig kidney thing. A very interesting, weird kind of case. We're going to talk with Rose Hoban from NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. And is your preschooler being taught that cow meat is bad? Is this happening? Yes. It's a new kick on behalf of the federal government. Vegan is it vegan preschool teachers? No, it's sort doing of the this? concept of if you want to live, you better do what we say. All right, that is coming up. This is Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919 860 9783. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health right here. And, of course, on Apple Podcasts and HeartHealthRadio.com. Marie in Raleigh. Hi, how are you, Marie? Good. How are you, too? Long time no hear from you. How are you doing, sweetie? We're doing okay. Well, um, it was listening to you about heart attacks as you first came on. I had a real good question I wanted to ask you this way. Absolutely. Does stress cause heart attack? Yes, ma'am. Definitely. Okay. Long-term stress and acute stress. That means constant stress from, let's say, a bad marriage or, you know, fighting between radio hosts. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're just set up for heart attacks. But no joking aside, (laughs) acute stress. Well, uh, I had a doctor to tell me, and it's not my uh, doctor, my cardiologist. But it was one in the emergency room said that stress did not cause heart attack. Yeah, well, that, that individual no. needs to be educated. Well, I had gone through, I ended up in the emergency room. What happened, babe? You, you know, the way I had a mild heart attack. Okay. And I knew not to mess stay around here because it, the, I thought it was anxiety. And yeah. because I have been through right much stress, I, 
my granddaughter was uh, two weeks old, and she was uh, diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, but guess what? Well, after going through two weeks of so stressed and being upset about it, uh, they took her somewhere else, and she does not have it. Oh, great. Anyway, it was on uh, Monday, let's see, uh, Friday afternoon, and I... I had, I thought it was anxiety coming from all of that. Well, it was anxiety that caused the heart attack. Uh huh. So I went, stayed around about 30, 25, 30 minutes, and I called 911, and they took me in. And uh, I, uh, they, well, one doctor said he was not sure uh-huh. if it was a heart attack, but then. Two of the other cardiologists said it was, okay. but it was very mild. Did you get a but, stent? Sir, what did you, you say? Did you get a stent, Marie? Uh, no. Oh, and I wanted to get into this with the good work, Dr. Weefall. You did for me yeah. all these years. They did a catheterization. Good. It was open. Everything was good. The stents that were in there were in place yep. where I had my triple bypass. It's good. It looked good. And I owe that to you, well, Dr. Let, McCombs. Let me tell you how stress causes a heart attack. It's okay. very well known. When you're stressed out, you get adrenaline. That means the fight-or-flight hormone that raises your blood pressure, raises your heart rate. It's there. The other thing it does is it increases the levels of inflammation. The adrenaline, which is the fight-or-flight hormone, will stimulate your white blood cells to make greater amounts of those communication things and get your body prepped up to fight off greater infections, but it increases the amount of inflammation. That inflammation stimulates the white blood cell, excuse me, that are in your plaques, the cholesterol buildup. They can actually make the plaque so juicy with inflammation that they burst and cause a clot. The other way you can have a heart attack is that all that adrenaline and the stress hormones cause the arteries to spasm, okay? They, they scrunch down and they block the flow of blood. Now, the reason why you didn't need a stent is because of the medicines you're on holding up the arteries from, from collapsing, but also because you're on some medicines that prevent clots from propagating by getting larger, I mean. So you did great, but definitely, Marie, stress can cause what you well, had. You know what the, the first, nobody believed this until when? The Israelis were getting attacked during the first Gulf War. Remember, yeah. they threw the scuds Yes. Out, and somebody decided to keep the statistics of heart attack before and after the scud attack. Yeah. 50-fold increase in heart attacks in the... Uh, 24-hour period after the Scott attacks in the 10-day period beforehand compared to that. Sure. So definitely fear, stress, chronic stress. Those and We had an article we were going to discuss today. I might as well bring it up now. Depression. If you're depressed, you have a much higher risk of heart attack. It's the same mechanism, Marie. So you know why it works. Educate that doctor if you see them again, her, him or her again. But, Marie, listen, I am so glad. It's your great, is great-granddaughter or granddaughter? Uh, my great-granddaughter, but thank Come on, God you're too young to have a great-grandchild. We you talking about? You're only about 50, right? 
But anyway, uh, this is something. As I was lying there in ER, uh, my, she tried to get me on my uh, landline here at home, and she couldn't get me, so she called on his cell phone and gave the good news that she did not have it. What, what does she have? Anything else? I started feeling sadder, and I told them I didn't need to stay. Yep. I need to go home. Listen. And they kept me three nights and really yeah. wanted me to stay four nights because they over there were at Duke, they don't, on um, weekends, they do not do the uh, uh, catheterizations and mentioned something about taking me over the week, but we waited till uh, on, on uh, Monday, uh-huh. and they took me out at um, about 7.30, I mean, about 7 o'clock, and I was uh, back in my room about 8 or so, and I said, I want to go home. So I left at 8.30, came home, had the best night's sleep. Good for you. Good for, Good for you. you. Marie, but, thank you. But, but Dr. Weefall, I keep thinking about you. I mean, you put me on a lot of the medicine that I'm on now, that I well, stay I on. You. And Dr. Parsons says, it's working. We gonna, I said, well, if it's all working, don't change anything. All if right. it ain't broke, don't fix it. Marie, That's thank right. you very much. We've got, we've got to run. Thank you very much, Marie. Appreciate you staying in touch. All right, so there is this uh, situation where they're now prepping pig organs. Yeah. How are they doing it? They're, okay, so they're making it so it doesn't reject. Right. So what they did, this is great research, uh, they found out the proteins and the sugar molecules that are on the outside of a pig cell yeah. compared to the sugar molecules and the proteins outside of a human cell. Yeah. And then they found out which ones were the most important in a transplant. That is to say, which ones would cause the immune system of the human to react and reject the hearts of a pig or the kidneys of a pig. Right. It's amazing research. And so what they did was genetically modify these pigs uh, using these new genetic techniques like CRISPR. You can actually get an embryo of a pig Mm -hmm. and add this stuff, you know, these enzymes and these DNA things and change the genetic structure of the pig so that it doesn't produce the anti-rejection molecules. Sure. And so you can put this thing inside of a human. You still have to immunosuppress to prevent some of the immune reactivity, but what we call the acute rejection, I mean, my gosh, when you try to put a pig organ in a human, it would last about 30 seconds before it was attacked and then the thing would live about two days and die. I'm talking right. about the organ. So this is tremendous research. And this is, I think, a, a, a tribute to American ingenuity, to the correctness of, for the most part, the people who decide who gets uh, in, um, uh, investigation money, research money. Yeah. This is going to be fantastic. Now, I saw a movie just last night on Netflix that's about this situation. It's highly dramatized, um, but I, I I definitely would recommend it. It's called The God Committee. My favorite actor, well, one of my favorite actors, Kelsey Grammer is in it. Yeah. And it was made last summer. So they, you know, were ahead of the, ahead of the game here in, in talking about this concept. Yes. But 
I am so excited by this. I, there are very few things in medicine that have gotten me as excited mm-hmm. about the future as this. This is this is the Tesla of medicine. Yeah. Yes. It's a game changer. Now, suppose this guy who got the pig heart doesn't live. And suppose we find out that the heart was rejected. Okay. It's not back to the drawing board. It's learning from this situation and making a few more tweaks. But I think the fact that this guy is still alive yeah. and doing well means that we've really made progress. And, you know, just this is the other thing. Believe in the future. Don't listen to all these people of doom and gloom that we're all going to die and the world's going to catch on fire and American medicine is terrible and we're all going to die of disease that are preventable and we're all horrible. No. Think about this pig heart. Yeah. Because there are people out there that you don't even know about that are changing technology, bringing in new things, and we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. All right. This... uh this headline about myocarditis yeah it's, it's still a a controversy it's not if it shouldn't I take, be a controversy if now. i take well yeah, and i did I, should, and we're going to talk about why i got boosted yeah okay and that's my third shot okay i run a risk of myocarditis from that right do you know what the risk is yeah they just came out with it the risk is approximately 1 in 100,000 Okay. Okay. So it's one in a hundred thousand if you get the vaccine. Yeah. If you get COVID, it's one in three thousand. One in three thousand. Right. So I guess, and you pointed this out during the break, that you can't just say compare one in a hundred thousand to one in three thousand. You've got to compare the total number of people and the percentage risk of getting COVID. Yeah. And the total number of people and the percentage that got the vaccine and compare apples to apples. So if you this is true, though, if you get COVID, there's a one in 3000 chance of getting myocarditis. If you get the vaccine, it's one in 100000 chance from the vaccine. So which would you rather have? What you pointed out, though, is what if you do nothing? What if you don't get COVID? Right. And so. I don't know the answer to that. And right now, I got to call somebody who's a mathematician and knows the statistics and tell me. So you get COVID, you have a one in 3,000 chance of getting myocarditis. If you get the vaccine, it's one in 100,000 chance. If you don't do anything and don't get COVID and don't get the vaccine, I don't know what your risk is, but we got to look that up. Okay. Because that's an important part of the thing. But what you're saying is, I'm going to take the risk of not getting COVID. Right? Yeah, or maybe. I'm gonna not I mean, I'm not gonna take the risk of getting the vaccine. What about those people and what their risks are? But I still say if you're listening out there, I'm not a left wing crazy. I believe in the vaccine. And I you're not a right wing crazy either. Sometimes I am. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got accused of that on the Apple podcast. But the thing <laughs> I'm trying yes, I am a Republican. I am uh, a conservative, but I believe in the truth, and the truth is the vaccine is good for you. The truth also is, if you don't want to get the vaccine, this is the United States of America. I believe that you should have a choice. Okay? Good. Good. All right. In preschool, children are now being taught 
in some places that cow meat, beef, is bad for you. Well, you know, it's it's very interesting to me what is happening now. And there's a program that they're trying to introduce to preschoolers um, to sort of indoctrinate them into the philosophy of veganism and um, all the things that people claim will reduce the risk of heart trouble in the future. Okay. Um, and I kind of disagree with them vehemently. Yeah, kind of. Okay. You know, um, we were talking about this earlier. How now, brown cow? How many times did you hear that as a, as a, as a youth? And we looked it up, and apparently yeah. it doesn't mean anything. I thought there was a poem about it, but no, some Brit decided that was the way to teach elocution. Am I going to get in trouble for doing with, the Brit With accent? Brits? Yeah, you could probably, oh yeah, they'll God. just sue us. a call from England and say I'm making fun of them? It could be. I got yeah. in trouble with the Johnson accent. Now, the way anyway. you say it, the way okay. you say it, we'll probably get sued by the Aussies. Right. Yeah. Good day, mate. Anyway, <laughs> throw another, no, no, throw another vegetable on the bobby. <laughs> That's what they're trying to say. Okay, instead of how now brown cow, it's not now brown cow. So let me let me just make the point. Okay, uh, indoctrination. This is is a left wing thing, and the, the you don't need to indoctrinate your kids. Okay, you don't need to have them say recoil in disgust from meat. Okay, the lesson is the lesson the, is the lesson was number say one. No the parents the, should have a say. In no this. to the beef. Yeah, beef is. Okay, let's go back in time. Imagine, okay, some of these left wingers arrive in the 1500s. Sure. And they're transported back in time. Yeah. To the Sioux Indians who are, you know, living off of Buffalo, Tatanka. Yeah. 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 And what would they say? That, you know, these are healthy, strapping, muscle bound, you know, yeah. Percent fat is almost zero. Yeah. They can run for miles to chase down these buffalo, uh, helping the people on horseback. You know, they sleep well. They got good teeth. And they're going to say, stop eating that red meat. It's bad for you. Because <laughs> what, what, what are we, I won't do the accent. What are we going to eat instead? And she'd point to all these, you know, these wild oats. And, yes. You know, these, these uh, seeds and stuff. And they go, okay, how much we got to eat? Uh, about 20 pounds a day to get the appropriate nutrition from a slab of buffalo. Yeah. And, you know, even, and the interesting thing, even the evolutionary biologists admit that probably one of the greatest reasons why we became intelligent was our brains growing on the basis of how much more protein we could get from meat. Okay. So there's a political bent to this i mean remember all the farting cows that aoc didn't want to you know ruin the planet in 12 it, years and we yes, all die yes um if if we prepare it incorrectly or if we do the wrong thing could possibly harm us um but i i would have gone back in time and told the sioux indian tribe that the last thing you want to do is eat the sugar that the cavalry is bringing in. Did you remember that in um, Dances, in with, Dances Wolves. with Wolves? Remember yes. the first time he meets the Native Americans, the Indians, and they're like sitting around and they're looking at his food and it's just disgusting them because it's all dried, crumbly stuff. But he takes out the sugar. Oh, yeah. 
and they just gobble it down. They've never had sugar before. Sure. And it's so intoxicatingly good. I agree. That's what I would tell them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Go eat your buffalo. Get the grains off of the it, uh, off of the plains, but stay away from the white man's sugar. Are you going to tell me objectively that sugar is worse for my heart than beef? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. And and see, people have made the misconception that fat and meat are what kills you, and that's just not the case. Okay. They look at the Mediterranean diet, for example. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Mediterranean diet has just a little bit of sugar in it, just a little bit of unprocessed flour. Mm-hmm. Their levels of inflammation are much, much lower. And that's what's wrong in the United States of America and in Western Europe. The Western diet, it's not meat. It's not the burger. It's all of the com- uncomplex, all of the simple carbohydrates that we eat that raise inflammation and are stored as fat tissue. That's the answer. And the reason why we don't believe that is that the Havid researchers from Framingham who told us that meat was bad, that fat was bad, those studies Mm -hmm. were financed by the sugar industry. Hmm. Just like the tobacco companies were financing all that research in the 50s, that tobacco was good for you. It's terrible. It's the American way. It is, but the it American also way. is the American way to point that out. All right, this is Heart Health Radio. You can call now nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. You want a a bit of advice from Doctor Weefall? Dial that number nine or one nine or eight six zero nine seven eight three. Heart Health Radio. You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout, come on now. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. And Roger Alquist is uh, on a, a line one with us. Who is Roger? Roger is a great patient. I uh, hear Margaret on my patients. Roger is, we've talked about before, I think he's been on the show before. Yeah. He has alpha-1 and a trypsin deficiency, which renders his lungs... Uh, um, weaker and uh, has trouble breathing, uh, prone to infections. He's yeah. on an amazing medication that's, that is that um, b- replaces his enzyme deficiency, and he's done extremely, extremely well. But he and Margaret got COVID. Oh, my. And um, I didn't realize, and Roger pointed this out to me, this is where my patients, you know, educate me. I knew that these two medicines, the Pfizer uh, drug, Paxlovid, and the Merck drug, uh, Molnupiravir, um, I cannot pronounce this. Anyway, were um, approved. I didn't think any of the pharmacies had them. Yeah. So I called a couple. They didn't have them. And Roger said, hey, by the way, my pharmacy has it, which was the Johnson Outpatient Center. And he's here to tell us about his experience. How you doing, Roger? You there? Hello, yeah, Roger. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing great. I just wanted to call and, and uh, let you know that uh, that medication, I can't pronounce it either, <laughs> but it took it about 48 hours to kill uh, 90% of the symptoms That's great. from the COVID. That's fantastic. What were you feeling beforehand? 
I'm sorry. What were your symptoms of, of your COVID infection? I, and, you know, for uh, me, it's hard to know, you know, your cough and everything else, but I could definitely tell you weren't you. Yeah, yeah. Well, the cough was the, the first uh, symptom and uh, caused, uh, you know, considerable throat irritation. Okay. But for me, it, it, it's, it, uh, it uh, processed itself through my lungs and the sputum and that sort of thing. And I could tell yeah. that was getting very serious. Yeah. Well, I'm really and, glad. And uh, yeah. so that's that's where it settles for me, right there in my lungs. Really? And uh, I was spending most of the day trying to get rid of the sputum. I've got a uh, uh, chair that uh, vibrates and, and heats, yeah. and uh, uh, that seemed to help. And You sound uh, great right now. I mean, you sound better well, than sometimes you sound when you don't have uh, COVID. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm still taking the steroids and the antibiotics. Yeah, but, we were going to uh, give you. We were going to give you the uh, Pfizer drug um, that has come out to compete with this, and it's Molnupiravir. Um, it, it that's by Merck. The Molnupiravir had a 50 percent reduction in the progression to hospitalization or death. The Pfizer product. Um, Paxlovid, nine, no, 80%. So I was trying to give you Paxlovid. The problem is the pharmacist pointed out that you can't get it with when you're taking steroids. Now, that's not true. You just oh. got to be careful and lower the dose of the steroids. Now, both of these medications for only five days. So I yeah. should have pointed out with the research that I've now done, and I will point out to the pharmacist, you can get the Pfizer medication. But the Pfizer medication has about 50 drug interactions you got to worry about. The yeah. Merck one, the Molnupiravir, none. I mean, it's just like Is none. that what he's on, Molnupiravir? Yeah. So it's 200 milligrams. How many times a day? Twice a day for five days? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be using this now. The, the pharmacy um, that has it that I know of in Johnston County is the Johnston... Uh, health outpatient pharmacy associated with the hospital. And you want to know what's really interesting, Roger? I get so much trouble with some of the pharmacists. That lady called me up. I don't know what her name was. She was so nice. And she pointed out, listen, I know, Dr. Weefall, you haven't used the Pfizer drug much. We don't recommend it in prednisone. We do have the Molnupiravir. And I am so glad. This is This is how we should all interact. For your benefit, Roger. And I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I wanted to report back to you because you said uh, when uh, when I had you on the phone that you had three other COVID cases in your office that day, and uh, uh, I'd I put them on this in a heartbeat. All righty. Roger, thank you. God bless you, and say hi to Margaret for me. All right. Take care of yourself, Roger. This is Heart Health Radio, weed for weight loss, high cholesterol, and dementia. These are coming up I in just a moment. That. That's coming up next on Heart, Heart Health, Health Radio. Radio. is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. ...was injured in a four-vehicle crash in Los Angeles Friday, including a vehicle driven by Arnold Schwarzenegger. The actor and former California governor was not injured. It's not clear what caused the crash, but the impact was so severe that airbags in Schwarzenegger's SUV deployed. Police say neither alcohol nor drugs were factors in the collision. None of the drivers were charged.
CBS News has learned the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine is in the process of authorizing departures for non-essential diplomats and their families ahead of a possible invasion by Russia. Baltic nations are sending U.S.-made anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles to Ukraine. Some have already arrived. Washington says it supports the buildup. This is CBS News. There's always something new under the sun. CBS Mornings, weekdays on CBS. In the WPTF News Center, I'm Bruce Farrell. Snowfall reports from overnight. Totals between two and four inches in the Triangle area. The Raleigh-Durham International Airport received 2.3 inches. Nick Lucchetti is at the National Weather Service Forecast Office in Raleigh. The big winners were uh, those in Wilson, The following is a paid program and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com, but even easier. Just do what you're doing. Yeah. Continue listening to the radio station. And call. And call. If you don't mind, 919-860-9783. There are a couple of stories we're going to get to, which we teased earlier, and we we just didn't get to it. The fellow's name is Scott Quiner. He was in a hospital in, I think, Minneapolis area. Yeah. Um, no, Buffalo, Minnesota. I don't know well, where that you know, is. But... Buffalo, Minnesota. That's Minnesota. Is it? All right. Yeah. So he's in there. He was unvaccinated. He had COVID. He was being treated. He was on a ventilator. And then they wanted to take him off the ventilator. They right. did not. They were not making a decision that he was done with the ventilator. They were making the decision that that was going to be an end-of-life decision. Right. I mean, just, you know, they, and, and they didn't give the family an option. They just they said they were going to do said, it. They said, we're just taking him off the ventilator. Yeah. And, you know, his wife freaked out, and, and rightly so. And he wasn't even offered ECMO, which is the extracorporeal uh, membrane oxygenation. That's basically the heart bypass machine, but not through your heart. They put a big arter, uh, line in the artery, of the neck and, and the vein, and they take your blood out and replace your lung, and your lung's not working. So it's an artificial lung right. that allows the oxygen to go into the blood and carbon dioxide to come out. And it saved a lot of people. Unfortunately, right. it's not available uh, as uh, frequently as we would like because there's a limited number of machines. But this lady was not going to take that for an answer. She said, you're just not going to remove the ventilator. My husband is functioning on the ventilator he's got good oxygenation he you know needs more time and they said time's up wow so she did find some place for him to go he's gone to texas right and And i think it's great the hospital in texas works 
hospital in Texas reported that he was malnourished. Are that you he was, me? I missed that. Yes. They that, didn't put a feeding tube in him? That he was poorly fed, that he was in poor shape. Oh, my God. That's even worse. Um, anyway, his name is uh, Scott Quiner. Uh, if I'm in a medical board up there, I want to know. Yeah. I would interview the nurses. I would interview the respiratory technicians. Did these doctors have a negative attitude about this patient based on the fact that he was not vaccinated? Okay. And if that's the case, there needs to be some action here. Mm-hmm. Um, you treat anybody with compassion. Now, you know, the pig heart guy. Okay. Right, right, right. right. Well, why was he chosen? Why was he chosen? Was he chosen because he was a great guy? No, he was chosen because they refused to give him a human heart. They would not put him on the human heart uh, list because he had not taken his medications. He had uh, been kind of a jerk, and in a previous life, he committed an assault crime. He stabbed somebody and left him paralyzed. Yeah. But they said, look, guy. We love you. Yeah. We just, by our rules, can't risk a human heart with you. Would you be willing to do this? And he said yes. And now, you know, where's our compassion? We can say to him, you never should have stabbed that guy, and you are never going to do that again. Yeah. You are going to take your medications. And he says yes. And and he may be a pioneer in saving millions of lives in the future right. by volunteering to do this. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if those doctors did not f- adequately care for this gentleman who's now in Texas, then there needs to be some investigation, and perhaps, if it's found out to be true, uh, there needs to be some punishment for that. Right. Um, South Africa is where the Omicron came from. And it's almost gone. In South Africa, they're over it? Yeah. And so, you know, one of the few things that I predicted uh, that came right <laughs> was that Omicron in the U.S. would be like Omicron in South America. I mean, South America, South Africa. Yeah. And we're on the way down. And if, if you haven't heard already, uh, nationwide, our case numbers are dropping. Uh, I think it's going to be, although, yes, I could be wrong, just like in South Africa, where the cases of Omicron are going to fall precipitously. And they are. And I think this is an example of uh, an epidemic that everybody says is going to be endemic, and that means it's going to be like the common cold in the future. Let's hope that's what it is. Right. Um, our our mortality rates in the beginning with uh, COVID alpha were ten percent. Did you know that? I did not know. In the beginning, in New York, it was ten percent. I was just reeling. Well, right now we're at zero point one four percent nationwide right. and in some places it's less um for a number of reasons number one we have learned how to treat it you know mm-hmm. we were doing it completely wrong in the beginning completely wrong no early ventilation remember how um cuomo was saying we need forty thousand ventilators pronto right. right anybody who's had a low oxygen they thought immediately immediately needed to be ventilated what happened is that when you have a ventilator you're not breathing on your own so the normal breath is your your chest breathes in the muscles pull back and the air is sucked in yeah so in other words it's a passive movement of air yeah on a ventilator it's the opposite it blows air into you so the muscles don't do any work in fact a lot of times the muscles are fighting the 
the influx of air. And when you blow that air in, you got to blow it hard enough to push the, the muscles and the ribs apart. That was destroying lung tissue that was inflamed. So there's a lot less ventilation. And the type of ventilation we use is completely, di- well, not completely different, but it's a lot different. Yeah. So there's a lot of high flow oxygen now to prevent people from having to go on ventilators. Plus, we didn't use steroids. We thought, oh my gosh, we're going to give steroids and we're going to make them more immunosuppressed and the virus will take over until we found out. And we should have known this before because influenza is the same way. The virus doesn't kill you. Your body kills you. Right. The virus induces your body to produce horrible uh, levels of inflammation that destroy your tissue. The virus itself doesn't eat your tissue what it makes you do is eat your own tissue. So there's so many things we're doing differently. And you, the vaccine, oh my gosh, it reduces our chance of death by priming our immune systems to be more effective and efficient and not produce so much um, inflammation. And then, you know, these meds, just like Roger got, you know, the Molniparavir, it's fantastic. The right. Paxlovid, those are just approved. And, you know, before Omicron, the uh, monoclonal antibodies, treatments the um, Regeneron were great now they don't seem to work so well against uh, Omicron so you know it's just it's amazing yeah. amazing how far we can come how quickly we can come which is another reason not to fear for the future and say the world is coming to an end technology is amazing we can um, meet our problems and uh, hopefully most of the time defeat them is it wrong for me to be suspicious of people who say, well, we can give you a shot, but, you know, you're going to be back in another six months oh, yeah. that for is, another one? I'm wondering about this. Um, and there's a guy, and I don't know him, or it's B.D. Hobbs. I assume it's a man, but it could be a woman, has talked about Big Pharma is driving um, the media corruption. And I, I don't know if it's true, but I think it's an interesting concept. I heard the other day um, Pfizer was saying we might need a fourth dose. No, we will need a fourth dose of his of its vaccine. Yeah. And perhaps even two doses a year. Now, come on. We don't know that for sure. Um, I got boosted. I have not seen the information yet, but apparently there are some advocates, including <laughs> Pfizer, that they have information that it reduces the risk of, of even further of Omicron infection and, and progression to disease. Yeah. Serious disease. I don't know. But I do know. And we talked about this just a second ago. It was the sugar industry who promoted the anti-meat thing right. and the pro-carbohydrate thing. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, certain drug companies were steering the media to produce articles that promote what would benefit them financially, which is everybody gets a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh shot. And it took a long time, even after people started to realize that Omicron was not making so many people as sick as the original. It took a long time before we went away from case counts. Right. For a while there, it was like, you know— Look at this spike. Oh, this terrible spike. Well, you know, it doesn't matter if there's a terrible spike yeah. in in sickness that's called, you know, COVID, as long as it doesn't kill you. Right. And and remember, there, 
there's two things that is also priming the fear, and that's the hospitalizations. Remember, up to 30 to 40% of the hospitalized patients with COVID have incidental COVID. That is to say, they're in the hospital for some other problem, and they're testing positive for Omicron. Right. They're not sick from Omicron. And in, in another sense, the reason why some of our hospital systems are bursting at the seams is not because of the numbers of patients. Okay. If you look at Raleigh, yeah, which is having a hard time, our hospitals are excellent, but we're having a hard time because of the number of patients. A lot of that has to do with staffing issues. Right. That so many of the staff are sick with COVID themselves. They're not ventilated. They're at home. Yeah. And so they don't have enough staff to man the beds that they need. So the ICUs right now, on average, in Raleigh are about 85% occupied. Right. And of those, maybe a third are COVID patients. So we're not at that stage. Uh, And what... The pharmacists, the hospitals have not said are how many of those patients in the hospital are incidental COVID patients. And I would like to know that. I'm going to say again, I I have no doubt that hospitals here, every single one of them in our community are fantastic. Let's give a shout out to Wake Med Carey, to Rex Hospital, and to Duke Raleigh. Yes fantastic institutions and if you don't you, want to shout out vident uh where's vident vident is over in greenville yeah yeah it's gonna, uh, that, yeah i keep forgetting our our tentacles I gotta, extend i got that a, is a fantastic hospital i did a lot of, a, I a did a lot of there. work there yeah. uh with uh their mitral <laughs> valve remember they do robotic mitral valve surgery uh-huh so i f- keep forgetting we extend our tentacles well, you, what do you got against the uh, Winston-Salem? What do you got against the Baptist? Well, I just... I, I, you didn't mention the I, Baptist you know, Health. They're all great. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> every hospital in the United States of America... I can go on all day. I don't think every what, hospital in the United States of America is a great one. What's your What's but, your problem with, uh, with Mayo Clinic? Because... Uh, uh, I, when you go to Johns Hopkins, <laughs> you don't you don't like the Mayo Clinic, really. But it, if it's a I great institution, it's it's kind of like NC State versus versus UNC. Really, yeah. Really. All right. Well, we'll talk with uh, Mike and Durham in just a moment. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Mike in Durham, so glad you called up. Our telephone number is 919-860-9783. Always encourage people to call between noon and 2 on a Saturday. Folks can tell I'm stalling. Push the button for Mike. I, I can't. I've got a computer screen that's got, or two computer screens, one mouse. I right. can't work it. Mike, how are you? It's high tech. You got to push the damn button. Uh, right. You know what? There are too many buttons to push. That I can't is, reach the that button. That is the problem with society today. So what's going on, Mike? <laughs> hey, I just 
I wanted to give a quick call. Dr. Weifold, I actually, uh, I was a rep that had called on you for a few years, uh, going back, you know, about four or five years ago, and always appreciated the, you know, always felt that I was learning more from you than you were learning from me whenever I called on you. And uh, what were you, what were you working, uh, what were you doing? I was, I was a pharmaceutical rep. Yeah, pharmaceutical well, you, could, rep. you could go ahead and say the medicine. Uh, no, no, I, I'd rather not. I'd okay. Rather not say, but I just, uh, I'm, I'm actually home here with the Rona, so I wanted to just, I was listening to the radio and enjoying the dialogue with you. Yeah. Um, here's the one thing that I, I just wanted to call because I wanted to say how much I appreciate the fact of your early conversation because there are so many of us in healthcare, um, and I put pharmaceutical in that, in that sphere that are, um, pro-science, but we are passionate anti-mandate right. uh, not wanting the government and it's it, what's funny is that and it's so important to have you articulate this as somebody who's a healthcare professional that that, that being anti-mandate is not being anti-vax and it's and, not and it's not being anti-science either no but the, but yeah. the reality of it is is that the the, the the masses out there that are spoon-fed their information depending on what network channel that they tune into or what web page they go to, it's the, they, they shut you down on social media. And what's happening, I just speak to myself personally, I'm not even engaging with people anymore to have a dialogue about health care, about where we're going yeah. moving forward because I'm, I'm getting canceled. And they just say, put me in this anti-vax thing because I'm an anti-mandate. And there's yeah. a difference. Yeah, there is a difference. Absolutely. Let, let me. Can I tell you something about me, though? I would probably guess when I was in med school, hmm. um, I was I was a left winger. Oh my god! Yeah, I was terrible, and I would probably be shouting at the rooftops right now, pro mandate. Now you know you know what changed me. Hmm. I'm a, It's it's one guy, Ronald Reagan. Mm. And I grew up, and I was pro Jimmy Carter, and I was pro nationalizing the oil companies, and I was deathly afraid when Reagan got it, it, it uh, elected because I thought the world was going to come to an end. That's what we were told, right? Yeah, sure. And then what happened? We cut taxes. We had an explosion in the economy and technology. He said he was going to uh, spend the Soviet Union into oblivion, and he did. But what was the main thing that Reagan taught us about America is that freedom of choice is the most important thing. Now, I don't think you can prove to me that if you refuse the vaccine, you are intentionally harming others or even perhaps unintentionally harming others. I haven't seen that data. And I want to just say I agree with you 100% that mandates actually probably backfire in the United States of America. And I would like to see a study where there was an alternative where people were educated, were, were consoled, were um, uh, praised for their independence of thought, and see what the vaccination rate would be in that area versus the mandated area where mm-hmm. you better get your vaccine you idiot or you're not allowed into private i mean polite society yeah. and i'll bet you that it would be the first group who were treated as um, respectable uh, and intelligent americans and allowed to make their own choice 
and when given that choice, they would probably choose more to get vaccinated than the people who were cajoled and called idiots and said, well, we're going to make you do it. And um, I still believe in America. Mike, thank you. Thank you. Listen, um, I don't know what you're doing now and where you are now, but come by the office if you can. I'd love to see you again. All right. Thank you, Mike. Telephone number is 919-860-9783. Weed for weight loss. I thought it was the other way around. I I can't believe this. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say anything about my own personal history. No, don't. History. Don't, no, no, no. But you. there was a cardiologist when he was a kid. Uh, and uh, we, I think we'll kinda, call him. I think you kind of like this guy. Okay? We'll call him Jimmy Wu. Yeah, but anyway, so <laughs> Doctor Wu, he he, you know, in his day, uh, had a girlfriend who smoked a lot of weed. And I can tell uh, you right now, we we didn't call it weed back then. It was called dope. Now dope is heroin. Sure. Yeah. We call it Mary Jane. Uh, what else? Uh, pot. We smoke some <laughs> pot, and it always made me starving. I you mean, mean I had it to, made Jimmy, Jimmy Woo, Woo starving? Starving, yes. Yeah, uh, me. God, God knows it oh, wasn't no, me. No, it was yeah. Jimmy. Um, that's what when people catch me smoking. I always say, "No, that's my evil twin brother." Okay, <laughs> but anyway, um, now they're talking about using cannabinoids uh, derived, you know, chemicals derived from marijuana to lose weight. Now, I have no clue. And you know what they said? Hmm. They said that chronic weed users had lower body mass indices, uh, even though they admitted to having the munchies yeah. when smoking weed. Yeah. So this is, I, I have no clue why they're doing this, um, but we'll see. Maybe it's going to be another example of uh, counterintuitiveness. I don't know. No, you know what it is. But if you hear, one thing was, if you hear this, that yeah. they're investigating the components of marijuana for weight loss, do not use that as an excuse to go out and toke it up. No, 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 no. But, as you well know, this area is a hotbed of medical research. Yeah. So if you see, like in one of these research centers, a big line, and I mean a big line, <laughs> that's what they're signing yeah. up for. But you know, did you know that Duke, up until the 70s, did pro-tobacco research? I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it's Duke University. Sure, you're, you're, I mean, yeah. Duke was, you know, uh, the guy who revolutionized cigarette manufacturing. I, I know why they're thinking this. You ever see Snoop Dogg? Yeah. Here, there's a guy with no body fat. Yeah, that's okay? true. This is a. This is how they got onto that. Yeah. All right. This is. This is Are a you lot- accusing Snoop Dogg of no, being No, not at I'm all. A, let's, can you get Snoop Dogg on the phone for yeah, me? Yeah, we're going to get Snoop Dogg. Let's Dug. see what Snoop all says. Right. This is Heart Health Radio. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio, telephone number 919-860-9783. Now, if you were to call now, I would be fully prepared to answer the phone. I really would. 919-860-9783. Something about technology and me. 
I run radio stations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I technology is fine. Then someday I just can't do it. Right. Yeah. All right. But, but you know, you talk about radio. Um, yeah. We are really still in the radio era. I mean, you know, oh, Marconi, yes. and then who was the one who first did the radio broadcast? Fessenden. Yeah. You know. I. You know. Whoever. I know this. But what are we up to now? Podcasting. Okay? Yeah. Now, what is that really? It's the on-demand radio concept. Yeah. If you think of radio as you know, um, um, at, you know, AM waves going through the atmosphere. Yes, 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 yes. And then podcasting would be through the internet. It's the same concept. Yeah. It's through that little thing. It's your earpiece or the box on the wall is another human voice. Yeah. Coming out, and you're listening to it. I think that. It's the same. Podcasting is the evolutionary step of radio. And when we talk about radio, we're talking about any situation where coming out of some device yep. is a human voice that is giving you information, is appealing to your your inner soul. And that's why we're on three different media. We're on right. the direct broadcast. We're on podcasting. We're on uh, internet uh, listening. And yep. uh, I love radio. I just do. Plus, I can hide behind it. If we were on TV there, right now, yeah, I'd I mean, have to have makeup on. People would have to look I'm, at I'm, you. Yeah, I'm yeah. sitting here in this in this shirt with no, I'm having shaved anything. Anyway, that's just me today. High cholesterol has been linked with dementia. Yeah, how, how could that work? No, nobody really knows um, for sure. It could be that the dementia we think is Alzheimer's. Okay, so think about it. Alzheimer's, we talked about before, is a collection of proteins that have just formed, and they're called um, amyloid-type proteins. They precipitate, which means they come out of the solution, and they form these these tangles, and they interfere with the the neurons firing back and forth. Well, uh, my mother was thought to have Alzheimer's, but we found out later she had what's called multi-infarct dementia. Now, that means that the small arteries in the areas of the brain for memory and cognition had been clotted off by yeah. multiple strokes. And so the higher the cholesterol level you have, there's two things that happen. You build up the blockages, even in the tiny arteries, they can clot off. But the other thing with the high cholesterol, there's a direct connection to a higher level of inflammation. And that inflammation is associated with the deposition of those proteins that mess up the transmission of your neurons in Alzheimer's. So I think it's one of two things. But what this goes to show you is that you need to get your cholesterol levels down, not to just prevent a heart attack and stroke. Those people who are taking statins have fewer episodes of Crohn's flares, and that's an inflammatory disease. Okay. So we're finding out now, oh, 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 timing. Those people who were on statins and who got COVID definitely had a lower risk of death and hospitalization, reduced levels of inflammation. That's one of the number one things that statins do. So, you know, cholesterol... Be in and of itself is a target for lowering, but the things that we use to lower cholesterol have benefits beyond that. Right. And that number one thing is the I word that we use on this show. I think the I word is so important. Inflammation needs to come down. I am going to get some blood work done. 
CRP. And I am, I'm going to ask for a CRP score. You want to know what should my CRP score you be? Know, am I full of crap C- or not? Well, it's hard to forget that. Oh, and the other thing now that I know is ferritin. Get your ferritin level. Ferritin. F e r r i t i n. That is a, a protein that binds to iron, and we used to think it was only important for two diseases, anemia, yeah, so you can be iron deficient, or something called hemochromatosis. But actually, when you don't have anemia and you don't have hemochromatosis, yeah. the ferritin level is like the CRP. It goes up with inflammation. So get those two things, and well, I'll I don't... tell you how inflamed you are. Are you, are you taking curcurum? Oh, why can't I say it? I just say... Um, you know, uh, turmeric. Are you taking that? I'm taking turmeric. Good. And you're on your aspirin. I'm on my aspirin. And you're cutting back we've, on your carbs. We've had and your a, A1C is better. We actually had a flurry of visits to okay. the doctor. I, I didn't know whether yeah, we'd have me. time to. Tell all right, all right. Yeah. Number one, I'm having my eye work done. Okay, great. Uh, met with my, uh, number two, met, uh, by the way, you're my having eye number looks. Two? You're having a number no, two? No, no. Yeah, yeah, there is, there is that. Uh, that's another subject, but we'll talk about it another. You didn't have episode. a long enough break. You have number two here. All right, here's the thing. Number one, I talked to my eye doctor. My eye looks pretty good. Good, folks who who maybe followed it more closely than everybody else. I've been getting regular shots in my eye, which I have not enjoyed, to reduce some of the bleeding and the damage that's been done. Now, the, the retina is still detached. Ooh. We're going to have that redone. Okay. We're going to have that taken care of. Tacked down. In, in February, right. And he's right. going to laser the whole thing. Also went to my, my regular cardiologist. Uh-huh. His issue, or my issue with him, is that I'm still not walking with strength. Uh-huh. Uh, my legs become more fatigued than they should and have you had the arteries checked out in the legs that's what we're having done yeah that's what you already had that done no you gotta oh i know why you kept thinking it was all neuropathy yeah Yeah. i thought yeah yeah. so what they're gonna do they're gonna strap some blood pressure cuffs on your legs yes and they're gonna say okay let's compare the blood pressures in the arm yeah to those in the leg And? and suppose your arm blood pressure is 130 over 70 your leg blood pressure should be about 140 over 70, okay? okay? It's a little higher in the leg. Well, what I find, sometimes it's 40 over nothing, and they have blockages of cholesterol in the arteries that feed blood to the legs, and we got to open those up, too. The, I have been told that we're doing something that is similar to a sonogram. Yeah. Are we uh, uh, visualizing yeah, the art, thing? You can visualize it, too. So there's two things. That's called the ankle brachial index. Yeah. And then you take an ultrasound probe and you run it down the femoral artery and you see where the plaque is. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stan and Garner hung up, but that's the oh, way no. these come th- call back. That's because I was talking about my thing. Come you know, back. it's it's the thing when when the doctor's already talking with somebody. Yeah, but see, that's sometimes. the whole point. You, you, if you can wait five to ten minutes, we will get to you. And sometimes you call, we answer right away because you got nothing else to say, you know. That would be it. Yeah. Uh, that actually is my situation. High fructose corn syrup. Yeah. Is that just the same as sugar? Okay. So sugar in the United States of America is actually on the downswing. 
um, sugar is made is sucrose, and that's made from cane. Right. Okay, so if you look at Haiti, why was Haiti populated with slaves by the French? Cane sugar. They were manufacturing cane sugar, and they did it in a lot of places in the U.S. Cane sugar is still made, I think, in Texas and Mississippi. Yeah. Well, corn. Okay, what about corn? Yeah, yeah. So corn is really an amazing crop because, <laughs> and I'm not being paid by the corn industry. No, 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 no. But it, you feed cows, you know, sweet corn, you can feed us. You can make plastic out of corn products. Yes. All these things you can do. Uh, you can, um, you know, use the cob uh, in the outhouse. I mean, it's just amazing. No, but if, I'll tell you what. What? If you were to take corn out of like the fried chicken, yeah, you took the f- corn sweetener out of yeah. it. Yeah, I bet you'd taste terrible. Yeah, because if yeah. you go ahead and take a look at yeah. the box, yeah, of f- fried chicken, it's there. Oh, it's so, there. So, what is high fructose corn syrup? If you take and grind up the corn and make it into a syrup, you yeah. add an enzyme, okay, which is a protein that breaks it down into fructose and sucrose. It's really sweet. The problem is not that doesn't injure you. It's what they, they put in everything. Yeah. And that makes us fat. All right. Stan yeah, in Garner. How you doing, Stan? We're doing good, Dave. How are you? Terrific. What's going on? Well, I hope your uh, your eye surgery goes well next month. Uh, I Thank wasn't you. aware of that, but uh, we're hoping for the best for you. Thank but- you. I, I can cover up my left eye. And I can pretty much see things. I just can't read anything. So I'm 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 pretty good now. But I'm hoping for a hundred percent for both eyes. Well, with the uh, with the uh, uh, in, uh, increased you know uh, uh, capabilities that they have with eye surgery today, I've heard a lot of good things. So uh, it's I amazing. Think you'll be fine. I think yeah. you'll be fine. Thank you. You got something going on yourself? Oh well, I have a question. Uh, regards uh first of all i enjoy listening to your program uh you and the doctor you know you get a lot of good information out there to, to, to well thank we, you we appreciate that my my question is is, uh, is if the doctor can explain in layman's terms uh i'm, I'm aware of I'm, like most people are uh what cholesterol the hdl which i call healthy you know I used to get them all mixed up, but I sure I, I say HDL, I say H for healthy, and LDL, I use the L for lousy. Now I, I never get confused. That is a great way. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. That's a great way to explain it. H for healthy, L for lousy, and I never forgot it since then. I, I'm going to use that from now on. Well, you use it anytime you want. It's yours. Yeah. So, so the HDL is uh, a particle composed of the cholesterol, which is a yellow waxy substance, and proteins. And it's called the high-density lipoprotein. What does that mean? It means when you take the fatty part of the blood and you spin it in a centrifuge, it's denser. So it'll, it will show up in the higher density of what you spin out. LDL low-density lipoproteins, they will spin out in a different place because they don't have as much density. What they've learned over time is that the high density appears to protect you, and they think, although it's not proven, that it's a mechanism where you take cholesterol out of the plaque, put it in a little package, and send it to the liver where it gets rid of it. 
the low density is felt to be a package of doom. So the higher your low density uh, cholesterol, your LDL, the greater the chance that plaques can form because it's the LDL particles that get into the artery wall and start forming the plaque. Now, that's a little simplistic. It may not turn out to be completely true, but that's how we think of it. Now, they want us to think of VLDL, very low-density lipoproteins, as another factor in producing um, plaques. But there is this unsung villain that we don't talk about enough, and that's called uh, triglycerides, okay? And I didn't used to pay attention to triglycerides as much, but that's just fat. That is fatty stuff in the blood. Yeah. What causes elevated triglycerides? I'll give you two choices. A hunk of steak or high fructose corn syrup laden Cheerios. Oh, I know the answer, Stan. Yeah, it's a Cheerios. Now, as long as they're sweetened with high fructose corn syrup, it's the sugar that produces high triglycerides. The mechanism is not well known yet, but if you have a very high LDL and a very high triglyceride level, you're double whammy and you need to get them both down. How do you get the triglycerides down? Eat less sweets. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. Mm-hmm. And number two, if that doesn't work, there are several medicines. Uh, one is called Tricor or Phenofibrate. That works on the liver to help you not produce as much of the triglycerides. And the big one now that's come out that I really believe in, although there's some controversy, is called Vasepa or EPA, Icosopentoic Acid. And what that does is lower your triglycerides in a natural fashion. It's basically purified fish oil. And it's been shown, although this is, again, somewhat controversial, <coughs> to reduce your risk of heart attack and actually make your plaques go away. Mm-hmm. We had to talk about plaque regression and stabilization. That's the medical term. My plaque went away, and so can yours if you have the right medications and diet. Do we know that making that plaque go away will affect our long-term health? Yes, it does. Health. Absolutely. So, so I had a 25 to 40% plaque in my Widowmaker, and I went on aggressive therapy. My diet still stinks, and I still smoke five cigarettes a day, so that's terrible. Don't do what I do. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But anyway, so I'm on Crestor at 40. I'm on an aspirin. I'm on Vasepa. I'm on a beta blocker for my blood pressure, and um, I'm also on Repatha, which is an injectable medicine that works in a fantastic way. And I had a calcium score in my Widowmaker of 350. That's a high amount of calcium. Wherever there's cholesterol that's been there for a while the the immune system fights it off and it forms calcium two years after i did this my well within three months my ldl went from 178 to 11 my crap c-reactive protein (laughs) went from eight to less than one and you're still alive and my calcium score in my widowmaker is now 10 Okay, which is so good. It goes away. And okay. what we know now, those combinations of medicines do show plaque regression. Uh, you can go in there with a with an ultrasound thing and measure a plaque. Two years later, go back in, measure the same plaque when you're on the kind of stuff I'm on, yeah. and it's much less. And not only that, you have fewer heart attacks, you live longer, less death. 
So we can regress these plaques. We can, well, stabilization happens first. What does that mean? It's much less likely to clot off. It stabilizes, and then it regresses. And it, if you do what's right for you and, and do the two things, take, take the mm-hmm. medicines your doctor prescribed and do the two things that I don't do. Stop smoking yeah. completely yeah. and cut way, way back on sugar, white flour, uh, white potatoes, inside of white potatoes. Eat the outside. They're great. And uh, white rice. And you will have the benefit. Can I guarantee you live longer? No. Statistically, you have a much greater chance of living longer. And better. Yeah. Stan, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Take care. This is Heart Health Radio. Living alone and being divorced is linked to inflammation in men. I'm in trouble. Which is... I do both. There, There is that. There is that. <laughs> um, and it, it has some down... Some side effects. Yeah, loneliness is a horrible thing. Loneliness is a horrible thing. We'll talk about that coming up next. This is Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and down, throw my hands up You're listening to Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Who are we shouting out? Amu Jaji. He's really? A, yeah. The 87-year-old man. <laughs> yes. Okay? He's 65 years, and he has not had a bath, has not had a shave, <laughs> and you know what he eats? Yes. Roadkill. Yes. Now, okay, this is the extreme example of the WeFold hypothesis, okay? <laughs> the let your kids play in the dirt hypothesis. Yes, yes. He's been exposed to so many germs yes. that I think he's half germ, you know? <laughs> and this guy apparently is yeah. healthy as a horse. Yeah, oh, sure, You know what, yeah. though? Horses are not healthy. We're going to get away from that. Every time I turn around, my my wife's horses were in the vet school. <laughs> but anyway, uh, probably it's genetics, okay? Yeah. Uh, I will say this because I seriously doubt very many people could not bathe for 65 years and only eat roadkill and be healthy but apparently they've checked this guy out yeah and he doesn't stink this you want to know something he doesn't stink really well that's another interesting did you ever go on a camping trip yeah 14 days sure in the wilderness yeah you really don't stink after that oh yeah your body sort of gets to the point where you know you're not producing the reactivity you know, oils and stuff to be washed all the time. Yeah, but, but anyway, I think this is fantastic. No, this is Darwin, okay? This okay. is Darwin. Yeah. Let me just tell you that millions of other people who didn't shower or bathe for 65 years and who ate roadkill are now dead. He's the only one still alive. The, assuming that this is a good yeah, lifestyle is, is a lot like assuming that being a member of the Rolling Stones will make you live forever. Well, he ate raw roadkill, yes. porcupine, and you know where he got his drinking water from? No. Puddles. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I don't ne- necessarily uh, believe this 100%, Yeah. but I think uh, it's probably genetics more than anything else, but his immune system must be unbelievable. Sure. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Sports-related cardiac arrest yeah. numbers are down. Why is that? Um, because I think they've they've learned that sports-related cardiac arrest is usually related 
to uh, a genetic problem where your electricity sometimes goes haywire. The right. potassium and the sodium currents that control muscle flow go haywire. And so if you have one thing on the bench, and I'm not talking about the doctor. I'm not talking about, you know, the, the trainer. It's called a defibrillator. Right. Okay, so it's an automatic thing. It has two little flappy uh, pads. You peel them off, peel off the stick, the, the the plastic, and slap them on parts of the chest, and you push a button. And with our computer controls nowadays, it can recognize whether this electricity has gone haywire into something called ventricular fibrillation. Right. The electricity is just baffling all over the place. It's not regular, and it shocks the heart back into rhythm. And this is what saves lives. And right. this is the majority of sudden cardiac death problems in athletes. It's not a heart attack. It's not a clot of cholesterol. Uh, it's not a clotting of the cholesterol plaque. It is the electrical things going haywire. And it saves lives. And now, I tell you, if your kid is on, like, you know, a travel hockey team. Sure. Or is travel softball team. I would strongly recommend that you talk to the coaches, you talk to the managers about having an AED, automatic external defibrillator. The other kicker is that you can get a sponsor. So, so you know, you go to Joe's Crab Shack. Yeah. And say, we'll put you on our uniforms as a sponsor if you buy us an AED. And you can get a good one for a 1000 bucks. Yeah. And the other thing was that more people learning how to do CPR. Now, I'm actually going to step out of the limb. I hope I don't lose my license. I don't think you need to go to a CPR course to give CPR because it's so simple to do. Right. And uh, I'm not going to say it over the radio no um, no no but no, i no. wish we could glad glad we're not going to uh, i'm not i wish i could just say it right now because it's so easy to do but since i can't i would tell every mom and dad and we're relating this to sports now if you're going to be going on these high duty heavy duty sports travel teams learn cpr and how often does this happen just about never yeah but right. w- but when you have a 14-year-old uh, boy or girl who's a uh, super-duper athlete, travel lacrosse, travel baseball, swimmer, two things I want to tell you. An AED should be at the bench, and it should be tested to make it sure it works and yeah. the battery works. It's eat, Learn how to put it on, and then go, go learn CPR because you may save your own child, yes, very, very low chance, but you may save your child's friend final story living alone and being divorced is linked to inflammation in men yeah a recent study said middle-aged adults in denmark found that living alone and experiencing more relationship breakdowns linked to higher levels of inflammation yeah but only in men yeah why is that i think my wife knows my wife knows. yeah so if you're a wife out there who's divorced and if you're alone and you're happy, call us and tell us why. Well, this is like... You know, it's a terrible thing is that I'm part Scandinavian. The, yeah. Dan- the Danish and the Norwegians are similar. Yeah. And I'm divorced, and I live alone, um, but my inflammation levels are really low, and I think I know why. Why is that? Dogs. Dogs? 
God, well, you know, I had to get rid of my Newfoundlands because they were, you know, this pit bull was attacking them. And then everybody would turn and see from the noise and they'd see these two 180-pound dogs about to kill a pit bull. Right. So they so, blamed my dog. So you got a, a smaller dog. Thing. Oh, yeah. I went from monster to midget. Oh, yeah. that's a bad word. Monster to little one. Yeah. And it's a toy Australian Shepherd. Her name is Bunny, B-U-N-N-Y, after Bunny Lebowski of the Big Lebowski. Um, and she's just wonderful. Yeah. And I think if you have, if you're divorced and you're a man and you're part Norwegian or Danish, then my answer to you is get a dog. All right, get a dog. But apparently it's, it, only, it only causes inflammation in men. In in men. men. That's because women can easily replace a man. Uh, yeah. Okay, all she has to do is wash her hair. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to. I'm going to. We're going to get in trouble. For I'm going to get in trouble for that. Uh, That's big it. Trouble. That's Heart Health Radio. Bye bye. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.